Hello, this is Kat Fink. This is my new podcast. <laughs> First time out of the barn. Ostensibly, this is going to be a podcast about woodwork and uh, furniture making, but uh, anyone who knows me would know that that's not how this is actually going to go. This is going to be a tangential um, story fest and weaving of, you know, maybe some technical ideas and thoughts and projects in with some stories and whatever happens to cross my mind. So um, in honor of that, I think I'm going to just start out with uh, a little bit of background. So I guess my primary identity has been as a circus performer. I've been working for the last 17 years as a juggler and an aerialist for various circuses um, around the world. I've also done quite a bit of work as an aerial rigger, which is, say, doing um, installations specifically for circus performance. I am also, <laughs> when, when I haven't been on circus contract, have been a builder and carpenter my ex-husband and I spent quite a lot of time in between uh, contracts taking taking gigs for people doing uh, things like kitchens and bathrooms and stuff like that. So I have kind of a, a funny a funny work history being a circus performer and a a woodworker and a builder. And then I also took a little detour from my life back in. 2013 and went back to school to study and train to become a midwife so that's also in the mix <laughs> we just throw a little baby delivery and maternity care into the whole uh, the whole equation so these are all elements of myself and what I'm bringing to this new business that I'm planning to start uh, in the the world of COVID, obviously the circus industry is suffering a lot and live performance is not so much a thing these days. Certainly it's um it's a much more challenging uh Mitzi to want to be involved in. So um yeah, I'm gonna delve delve outwards and and hopefully upwards and see um if we can find some interesting things to talk about in the world of wood. Obviously, midwifery didn't uh, hold the thread for me <laughs> for that long. I think that there's lots of uh, complicated stories around that, but overall, it was a really wonderful experience for me, but not where my future is headed at this moment in time. Um, so I am leaning into the into being an artist again, which is um, definitely uh, a challenging life path to choose. Anyone who has decided that they're going to try and pursue that is often warned off by others. I don't know that I would warn young people off from being artists, but it's definitely something that you uh, you want to feel um, pretty motivated towards because it's it's not always a straightforward life. But you know what? There's no I haven't encountered a life path that was straightforward yet. So there you have it. I grew up doing doing a lot of of building and construction with my with my dad specifically. Um, we did like foundation work and we did some pretty extensive jobs. When I think about what I was doing as like a twelve year old uh, girl 
carrying, you know, 80 pound bags of concrete around. <laughs> um, and I know that there's, you know, always the sort of fallacy of, of memory, but these, these memories are corroborated. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was, there was some pretty like broad strokes type construction that I was doing from, from a very young age. And then once I began my circus career, I, I began dating the man who I ended up marrying when I was 23 years old, 23. We started dating when I was 21. Um, so we started working, we met through the circus and we, uh, lived and worked together in the circus for 13 years. And, um, a big part of the way that we made our way in the world was taking circus contracts and going wherever that gig was. And then on the side, we were, we would take, um, kitchens or bathroom contracts, uh, things like that decks, and we would do our circus contract. And then once it was finished, we would do this construction work. So we, we were doing, you know, kitchens and bathrooms in some pretty, uh, exotic places, to the to the degree that I uh, lost three of my fingers, which are now uh, happily, mostly functionally reattached and and doing quite well, thank you very much. But um, I guess that's a topic for a future podcast: is amputation and ways that one might want to choose to avoid doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I lost my fingers in uh, the United States. And as a, uh, a very mm, still like, I guess, in my own way, naive for someone who had still who had been through quite a lot, I was still pretty youthful and naive and and still had this uh, feeling in my brain that I had the Canadian healthcare system on my side and then found myself um, having reattachment surgery in the United States and and coming out of that with American medical bills. And uh, it was definitely a little bit of an awakening for <laughs> for my my life experience at that moment in time. But um, so, yeah, so it was it was I guess I began with really broad brush strokes when I was young, doing foundations and concrete and siding and roofs and things like that. And then and that was mostly with my dad. And then as an adult, began working with my boyfriend, doing kitchens and bathrooms and things like this. And then as soon as we were able, we began buying our own buildings we bought a building in montreal with money that we earned in the circus and then just like tooth and nail renovated that and did all of the work ourselves and so i definitely learned a lot through the process of doing renovations on on my own projects um, and then we sold that building we ended up moving to america and living in uh in the state of maine for many years and we bought another building down there and doing the same thing at the same time as uh, running a circus school and a production company and um, a cabaret, which was, you know, just another chapter. Um, so, you know, obviously there was like a burning the candle at both ends and definitely like kind of taking a blowtorch to the middle of it at the same time as well. 
um, there was a culmination of the circus career that was happening at the same time as us having purchased this building that was uh, absolutely a fixer-upper to the point that that we kind of had to commando styles go into the building not owning it and repair the plumbing because all of the pipes had been uh, frozen and burst so the entire building was uh, flooded and water damaged and the water was just turned off so we needed to repair the plumbing to be able to get the bank to loan on it so we went in and repaired the plumbing on a building that we didn't own for free kind of on the sly so that we would be able to have it be good enough that um, we could get a FHA loan on this thing um, so it's it's definitely been um, yeah it's been a little bit of a windy trail uh, at the same time as we had this like epic sort of money pit level um, building that we were fixing, I also was um, doing my education in midwifery and um, and working as a midwife and, and apprenticing um, as a midwife. And so I was doing deliveries and uh you know, pulling some very long hours. If you're not sort of familiar with the midwifery model of care, it's it's amazing. Not that this is, you know, a podcast about midwifery, but hey, it might be. <laughs> Everything's possible under the sun. Um, so I was doing, you know, delivering babies and then coming home to this really messed up house and then running off to the circus school that we owned um and doing shows and booking and casting um cabarets and it was a very it was a very high intensity period of of time in my life obviously these things are only so sustainable so after 13 years together that uh period of time ended in my my husband and I getting a divorce um for several reasons we are on very good terms now and hi Josh hope everything's great um so the marriage ended the business uh went under sort of uh, there was a what has been referred to as the cataclysm in our our personal lives and just kind of everything exploded everything kind of um, was thrown up in the air and then you see where the dust settles in the wake of that and uh, for me part of the the dust settling and kind of the nuclear fallout was me returning to training at the Center for Furniture Craftsmanship in Rockport, Maine which is this beautiful kind of like if you're a Tolkien fan, it's got a very Hobbiton kind of shire feeling being up, up in uh, in Rockport and Rockland, which it sounds like it's the same thing. Rockport and Rockland are two communities that are right next to one another, um, sort of in the mid coast of Maine. And they're beautiful and there's great food and there's um, lots of people who build incredibly beautiful things up there. So... Uh, one of the things that's sort of tucked away in the forest there is this um, woodworking school and it's full of very skilled uh, people who are incredibly kind 
and want nothing but to you know share the the love and the joy of of woodworking so um you know hopefully in a a post-covid world people will be traveling again and if you happen to be traveling the mid coast of maine which i absolutely would encourage you to do it's a gorgeous place there's a a gallery at the center for furniture craftsmanship so you you can uh, on any business day you can drop in and see some really beautiful work um so yeah I went back to school to to train as a woodworker in a much more um fine capacity this is definitely not uh 80 pound bags of concrete this is like a very sharp chisel in your hand um and learning how to do your joinery by hand, how to cut dovetails, how to just things and tune things to a, a very exacting level and um, be quite uh, critical um, in your, your margins of error and <laughs> things like this. So it's a very um, anal retentive practice in its own way. I mean, obviously the goal is this sort of sense of perfection although I have to I have to put in here that one of the things that I love about this type of woodwork and one of the things that I find sets it apart so much from uh, the world that we currently live in where you have uh, incredibly um, precise things that are being produced by machines by robotics um, by automated systems and kind of factory production and yeah you can um, you can get amazing things from Ikea that, you know, they're, they're functional, they're nicely designed, they're um, put together. And, you know, I'm not going to actually uh, thumb my nose at Ikea. Obviously, there's, there's a very important part of the marketplace that's for that. But, or shall I say, like, as well, there's this corner of the market that, that I hope people are appreciating. I, I have to say, I hope people are starting to understand in the wake of what we've all been through with the global pandemic in appreciating art in all of its forms and how crucial it is to us in our in our day-to-day lives and I think there's a lot of people who um find it very easy to dismiss the concept of of art like even using that word sounds very uh, pretentious in a lot of circles and I think that it's important that we start to recognize that it's the artists of the world that really kind of have been getting us through these these times and giving us hope and giving us, you know, a lens to reflect on these experiences, um, the, the music and the videos and the, my God, like everything that has been being produced by people. And so similarly, I would say that uh, even in the world of, of visual art and sculptural structural furniture all of these things when you're stuck (laughs) in your home and you're suddenly looking around yourself and actually kind of considering what it is what are these objects that you choose to interact with on a daily basis and um, you start to realize that these things can provide a lot to your experience of your day-to-day life like the the piece of furniture that you interact with every day that you has these moving parts it has drawers it has you know doors and things that turn and 
in, in so many ways like a piece of furniture is like a great um, sort of mechanical child's toy you know you think about the this is going to make me sound like dated and pretty dweeby but um, I remember whenever I would sit at the bank as a kid they had this kind of roller coaster of uh, plastic coated wire that had wooden beads on it you know and it was just this thing that you could like slide everything around on it and it moved really freely and you could spin bits and it was very um, satisfying to somebody who's <laughs> pretty kinesthetic I'm one of those people who has a hard time sitting still and uh, I I see things with my hands and with my mouth and with my you know, like my eyes are definitely um, not my primary sense that I use to interface with the world. So um, when I think about things through that context, the idea of having an object in your life that is pleasurable to touch, it's not just that you look at it and you say, oh yes, it's a nice design, or oh yes, this is reminiscent of you know whatever <laughs> name name an artist that you that you like but it when you touch it it feels good and when you use it it brings satisfaction in a way that might be kind of intangible if it's not something that you're accustomed to thinking about but um something that I think especially if you have worked with wood you you start to recognize when that's slowly coming into focus which is to say like the difference between a piece of rough lumber where you can't even really quite see what the grain is going to be um and then you know you take it through your joiner and you can start to see what that looks like and you um and you turn it into something and you are using a card scraper or a hand plane and you're getting this incredibly smooth finish and you can interact with a piece of wood something that used to be this living plant this living thing that was just growing organically in the world and we were able to inflict ourselves upon it and um turn it into something ordered um, and then again you kind of go through that same process over over and over as you add finish and and waxing and you know all the things you're going to do and you start to bring out this um this incredible warm uh living soul of the of the wood not to get too poetic but meh yeah it's kind of poetic stuff it's kind of romantic um so I shit I can't even remember what I was on about oh about like factory made stuff so yeah okay there's a purpose to having things that are factory produced and having things that um are maybe more economical and and efficient and all of these things but what you end up missing out on is that even though we put so much painstaking effort into trying to have zero margins of error and being like very exacting with ourselves in in woodwork um there ends up inevitably being this element of chaos in it and that's the thing that you miss 
in a, a mass produced object is this like little bit of the hand of the maker um, and that bit of yourself and your soul and your, you know, whatever blood and sweat you happen to have left behind on the material um, is definitely a part of the equation. And um, yeah, so uh, where, where to from here? Um, I've, I've been waxing poetical a little bit about the love of, of objects and why we should actually give a shit about uh, craftsmanship and um, this sort of thing. <laughs> a little bit about my background on how we, how I arrived at this place. Um, so what's left? I guess uh, what I'm looking forward to in the future with with uh, approaching this uh, podcast production. So I think that there's there's room to cover some interesting technical territory. For sure, there's like a million things that, that we can get into and get a little bit nerdly about and uh, do some kind of deep dives on. I love that because I love having the motivation to do the research anyways. And this stuff, I mean, it comes up organically as you're going through a project. So um, I'm absolutely at square one with my own uh, workshop and everything at this moment. So I'm having to learn about how to set up my dust collection system. And I'm having to learn about um, building my workbench and what is actually important to it. Because up until this moment, I've been working on, you know, workbenches and vices and things like this that were a part of the workshop that I was at and I didn't have any choice in the matter so now I'm you know just crippled with anxiety about making good choices regarding how I build my workbench um, which is in process at the moment so you're definitely going to hear more about it um, so yeah, the technical side. And then uh, obviously, as if the last half hour has has had anything to do with it, uh, an indicator of how I roll, then yeah, the tangents end up being a little bit poetic, and they end up being a little bit impassioned. And, um, and that's just gonna have to be a part of the equation too, because you got a circus performer telling you about woodworking. So uh if you're gonna stick around this is uh what you're in for um so yeah we'll we'll see what we come up with over time and if there's uh if there's any juice to this thing but uh if you happen to be actually a real human out there in the world uh thanks for listening to this weird thing that i'm creating and um let's let's see if i can come up with something more (laughs) bye